the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint, and today we're going to be addressing a new type of heresy called the Quixote Dons. This year, I had the opportunity to attend the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology, put on by the Alliance of, of Confessing Evangelifish or uh, uh, Evangelicals. I'm getting ahead of myself. My reasoning for showing up to this 47-year-old gathering was twofold. First, to gather intel for the Future of Christendom Conference that the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society hosted several months later. And second, to observe what the uh, website called the most potent of all such conferences— here is the mission statement, quote, as crucial as broadcast and publishing are to the fulfillment of the Alliance's mission, they can never substitute for the kind of person-to-person contact that events uh, provide. They encourage Alliance members by assuring them that they are not alone and by allowing them to make contact with other conference goers and speakers. These contacts often bear unexpected fruit. Consequently, the Alliance is committed to Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. PCRT brings a slate of noted pastors and teachers to three or four churches across the country each year. Since its inauguration in 1974, this conference has attracted overflow audiences to the biblical expository approach to Christian doctrine. PCRT is the Alliance's key lay conference. It remains the most potent of all such conferences, lacking the air of convention, but instead cultivating an intense combination of worship and word. While PCRT is grateful to have inspired many imitators, it remains the original and authentic Reformed Conference. We purposefully hold our conference in churches to encourage a worshipful and intimate setting where attendees can fellowship with one another and speakers. PCRT is the nation's oldest, continually operating Reformed Conference, unquote. Stupid me, I should have read this missionless mission statement before I went so that I could have been ready for what I saw and experienced. This quote-unquote mission statement, first off, has the audacity to call itself a mission. Clearly, the point here is to hold a conference. That's it. Nothing here is about actual reform, either in plan or purpose. Also, brag about being the OG conference that spawned imitators. Man, humble too. I was initially excited, of course, to attend a conference where I thought that plans and strategies would be discussed and goals would be envisioned, cutting-edge theology dissected. You know, reform stuff that reformers do when throwing a reformation conference. What I got was a history lesson on Martin Luther, only one question and answer session, irrelevant and regurgitated rhetoric, and many, many holes poked in the air by scattered fingers. There was even a quote-unquote workshop sans question and answer time. Uh, What kind of workshop has no question and answer time? A numbskull shop, that's what... I was shocked and horrified, to be honest. There was Here was the oldest conference on Reformed theology, and all anyone wanted to talk about was Luther, Calvin, and Calvinism. This was not a conference on Reformed theology. This was a museum of antiquity. We weren't here to talk about Reformation. We were here to celebrate a 500-year-old one. We weren't here to discuss the future. We were here to relive the past. This became more and more evident as time went on. Hardly any of the sessions contained valid information that would spur the attendees on to reform the current society, but by George, we were ready to stand up to the Pope and his army of Arminians. If ever I got questioned on personal salvation, I was ready to say, I cannot and will not recant anything for to go against my conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand, I can do other, etc. The only thing I didn't learn was how to say it in 16th century German. Darn. You know, I, I, the only thing that I learned at this conference was that I didn't learn anything. And one could argue is that is actually what I learned. The moment I realized that I did not learn anything is actually when I did learn something. How about that? 
The question and answer session was especially enlightening. I can't believe it, but my question was read by one of the speakers and subsequently addressed. My question was, in essence, now that we have learned about all this stuff, how do we go home and reform our society, starting with 3,500 babies being murdered daily? Here is the response. Quote, I think a very significant question. It is true. I don't know those numbers, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were true. It is a horrific sin being committed in a very polite way. We have babies being slaughtered in nice white buildings, maybe close to our churches, and I think it can only be compared to Moloch worship. We offer our infants on the altar of lifestyle and self. As a culture, are murdering them, how great must the wrath of God be against us? People say to me, do you think God will ever judge us? I say, what do you think's going on? What do you think judgment looks like biblically with what we're seeing here? Let me answer the question, though. Let me answer it in a couple ways. Do we see in the apostles and in the Lord Jesus Christ a, a diversion in the church from its gospel-centered redemptive work towards a radical intervention of gross cultural sin? The answer is no. Jesus said the poor are always with you, and I am with you now. That is not a callousness towards that. It's a primacy on the great redemptive work that is the mission of the church. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, they, the, the Great Commission did not include a militant, violent, essentially, the energy of the zealots. They had a righteous cause. There is much to be said for the zealots in that sense, but it does not cause militancy in intervention to keep gross sins from happening. That is not part of the Great Commission. What is part of the Great Commission? The proclamation of the gospel, the bringing of people into the church, and the discipling of people, the very work which we are doing this weekend. So I think it's very important that the church not denigrate or push to the side the great work given us that has the most strategic eternal implication, the work of the gospel in the midst of the church. That includes conferences like this. Paul in Romans 13, when he counsels, when he orders obedience to civil authority, it's probably Nero. Why was there a disproportionate amount of women in the early church? Because they were being abandoned by their parents and Christians will go get the girl and they'd raise her. Likewise, let me praise and honor the work of women's health services. I think it's a wonderful expression of Christians zealously laboring with the women who are contemplating abortion to help them think through it, to give them options, support them. We should be doing that. It does not denigrate the ministry of the Word of God or the church. In fact, the best thing we can do as a church to reform the culture is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we surprised that an atheistic, secular, humanist society like ours over several generations has turned its face against God? The remedy for the situation is the grace of God that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't misread me. I am not against Christians exercising civil rights to protest in appropriate ways. The thing we must not fail to do is to preach Christ in the midst of a congregation and bear testimony. There is no hope for reform in our culture apart from turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the most important thing we can do is what we are doing this weekend, unquote. A very long way of saying we need this conference to know that the only way to bring about reform is to preach the gospel in our churches. Go back and listen to the quote again. I am not misrepresenting him here. Preaching the gospel and having conferences. Yeah, been doing it for 47 years. Lots of headway there. Have you ever seen an abolish human abortion or a babies are murdered here video? Pull out your watch and time how long it takes for them to start preaching the gospel. You go from zero to scripture in less time it takes for a conference speaker to write out Ephesians 5.11. The fruit of these protesters is unbelievably tangible. The testimonies of people coming to know Christ, let alone the children physically saved from being killed, is more than enough so that lately protesting is the new 95 Theses. Or maybe it's just making the 95 Theses cool again. Notice the first part of his response, quote, Do we see in the apostles and in the Lord Jesus Christ a diversion in the church from its gospel-centered and redemptive work towards a radical intervention of gross cultural sin? The answer is no, unquote. My dad pointed out that it's funny how we are at a conference celebrating Sola Scriptura, and now it's Sola, the apostles, and Jesus. Reducing 
application to the New Testament is foolish for a knucklehead sitting in your typical pietistic pew, but for a conference speaker to say such a thing, it's shameful. What you are seeing here is a Quixote Don. If you are familiar with Don Quixote, then you might understand why I have reversed the name. Originally, Don Quixote set out to battle giants on his horse in antiquated armor, and battle he did, except the giants were windmills. He was delusional, and everyone watching him knew it. Here's where the switch comes in. A Don Quixote fights windmills that he thinks are giants, but a Quixote Don fights windmills and makes the onlooker think he is fighting a giant. He finds a windmill. He pulls out his armor. He mounts his horse. He grabs his lance. He attacks. What a fight. Look at him go. Everyone thinks he is fighting Goliath. The only person in the room, though, that knows it's all fake is Quixote Don. These leaders would have us think they are fighting the good fight, setting out to battle the cultural idols of our day in a fierce show of hubris. But they are not idiots. They have picked windmills while the real giants prey on everyone outside and even inside their churches. By making a big show of engaging where the battle is not being fought, they convince their congregations that the war must be fought in this manner. The most popular windmill is just, quote-unquote, preach the gospel. It sounds good, but what they mean is, quote, internalize the gospel and limit it to personal salvation, restricted to yourself and other Christians, unquote. The institutional church will continue to root for the windmill slayers and condemn those who take on real giants. They are indeed the first line of defense against reform. But now, parachurch ministries and some legitimate churches are picking up the slack of these Quixote Dons and are throwing down their gauntlet right in the middle of the societal mosh pit. As the giants realize what's going on, they recruit the Quixote Dons to rein in these real sons of Jesse. But after an entire career spent on battling rotating power sources, their only source of power is rotating them out of battle. They are irrelevant. Their strategy only works on inanimate objects. The invisible church will not be thwarted. In spite of the institutional church, Christian will defeat Apollyon with a sword in his hand and a psalm in his heart. Thanks for listening, my friends. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.